This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and Carl's out today, out sick again. I don't think he's actually sick. He, he sounded fine when he called me, but we have a co-host today, Jake Simon. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Doug? Doing awesome today. It's it's always sad when Carl calls in sick, but like I said, I think he's all right. He's probably uh, swinging a hammer somewhere. Yeah, I thought I saw him walking over to his other house <laughs> with a tool bag. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was wondering like what the equipment noise was in the background when he when he called me up, but he should just send a text. You know, why is he calling me? How old is this guy? Well, he <laughs> might not know whether he's texting or calling because his texts are all voice texts anyways, so... <laughs> Yeah. So today we're talking something exciting, credit card points and travel rewards and the approach that I have and the approach that that Jake has. And uh, I think there's going to be some contrast. And I know people really like do a good job optimizing around these. And I have um, some friends, uh, Trip of a Lifestyle, Lauren and Steven, who have done like credit card churning where they actually, you know, get tons and tons of credit cards and get bonuses and all that stuff. Um, so we'll we'll kind of look at a couple different areas now. Be- before we get to it, uh, Jake and I we we're neighbors, we're friends. We were hanging out the other day, having a beer at a local watering hole around here, and I was like, "Ah, Jake, uh, I wonder have you had any good beers lately?" So what's been going on in your uh, beer drinking world? You know, I haven't had any amazing beers to speak of, but when we were sitting there, I did have an oatmeal stout. That was it was a solid oatmeal stout, and I forget I. I want to say Weldworks, but they're so into their IPAs and other things. I'm not sure that it was them. Was it Verboten? That was the Verboten. You're right. So Verboten was one of my favorite breweries right up in Loveland. Um, So I had one of their oatmeal stouts and it was was great. And that day it was 90 degrees outside. So you actually wanted to go to a different brewery, which I love their Dunkles. And I said, well, it's it's kind of hot. I'm going to swing by uh, my favorite place, Shoes and Brews. Uh, I'm going to swing by there and grab an IPA quick because I really just wanted some, some good IPA on a hot day. And then, you know, ended up having that oatmeal stout and it gets me excited because I'm looking forward. We've got some fall weather coming through here and going into the winter. It's kind of time to transition that beer style. I like all beer, but sometimes I go seasonal and uh, getting into the winter, it's a good time to start drinking those darker, heavier beers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seasonal as well, or like, um, an activity dependent, right? If you're tailgating, you don't want like the, uh, the triple IPA that you're going to drink all day. Like, Coors Light, maybe right. the right, right beer. PBR, I don't know. Yeah, S- squeeze a lime in it, you know, and any any of those cheap beers, squeeze a lime in it, and I can tolerate it. Uh, but uh, yeah, those light beers are good on those days, and especially day drinking all day. You, those triple IPAs, I've done that before. It doesn't end well. No, no, it doesn't. You just wake up somewhere that you're not supposed to be from the black. Someone else's so. clothes on. It's always weird. <laughs> And, and for me, I haven't had this beer yet, but I, I recently uh, judged some beer uh, at a competition over in Aurora. And they were giving uh, like beers out to the judges who well, we volunteer our time. We, we don't get paid for it or anything. So it's a homebrew competition. But this guy has a, uh, a really uh, amazing seller. So he has uh, tons and tons of beers. 
we picked the number and then he would bring us a like you know the number from a box a case of beer that he brought you don't know what you're going to get i ended up with an avery mephistopheles which is an imperial stout absolutely amazing i think it's like um 16 i've had it a couple times before but you know it's an expensive bottle you can only buy like one bottle 12 ounce bottle at a time the kicker though is this is from 2006 so it's 16 years old and it you know it's it's age that's the kind of beer that ages like a, a wine or even better so i'm excited to try it sometime yeah that that's it's always fun to get those uncommon bottles or the, especially the aged ones like that you know we've we've had our share our fair share of different uh what's bladder and 12 is always popular you can find it a little easier than even something like that was bladder and 12 is so sought after but i can find that a lot easier than you're going to find this 16 year old bottle um, and then uh, yeah i've got i've got a bunch of pliny in my fridge right now um, yeah uh, well pliny and other russian river uh, ruse because i was out there in california so i brought a bunch back that's right that stuff goes bad fast so if you well, let me know i've only got one pliny the others are <laughs> okay. some sours that i think will uh will Those be pretty good with age. age all right let's let's shift into the uh credit card points and travel re- rewards and you know what i, I want to open up with um any cool trips that you've done in the past by redeeming some kind of reward or points or whatever when it comes to point, I've used a tremendous amount of points, um, which we'll get into. Um, but when it comes to booking for points, I have not done a really cool or anything special with points in the past. We've done some some nice weekend trips, um, but I did just book something kind of special and frivolous. Uh, we're going to New York City over Thanksgiving as a family. I've been there once when I was in high school. My wife's never been there. She grew up dancing, doing ballet and jazz. Uh, my kids have never been there. So uh, my wife and kids are really excited to go. And that's one where I spent 38,000 points on Southwest per flight. And during COVID, that would have got me 10 flights to Ohio. Uh, so this is just a massive amount of points, that, more than I'm used to spending. Um, but I booked the the flight and the Hilton Hotel right downtown Manhattan. Um, so this is a trip that'll be pretty much all on points. Um, so that is kind of a future trip that's points-based and we're really excited for. Wow. Yeah, that that is pretty awesome, especially like that time of year. I mean, this is a tourist destination for Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Macy's Day Parade. I mean, there there is probably no worse time to go to New York City if you're trying to do it on the cheap. So hotels are inflated 2, 3x. Flights are inflated, you know, 5x. Um, So, yeah, this is definitely – we could have went next week and spent, you know, a tenth of the points, but – uh, we're going big. We're, we, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. And we're using points. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I don't have like a huge grand one, um, quite that big. Although now that I'm rewinding in my brain, we took a trip actually it was one of, uh, Elizabeth and I's first trip together. We went to, you know, we flew across the country to San Francisco. We're doing like a, a road trip up the, the West coast there. So we got first class. Um, which that's one of the few times that I've flown first class occasionally back in the day traveling, I'd get upgraded, but this was like, you know, long five, five and a half hour flight. Perfect to have uh, first class then. And I forgot, we actually got a nice hotel in San Francisco for a night or two, um, with points as well from the, the traveling days. So that, that is one of the saving graces when you're like traveling for business, you do accumulate a lot of points and you could like optimize this and that, make sure you get enough legs or 
enough stays at a particular <laughs> hotel, switch hotels in the middle of the week. You ever do that? Nonsense? Oh yeah, yeah. I've done that before, <laughs> uh, especially when it hits December and you realize you've got two or three stays until you need to hit that next level of uh, status. And yeah, that's part of the, you know, obsession that you can get into. And, and one other thing, like you mentioned, um, we haven't done any like huge trips super recently, but I have, um, I think for most of the vacations and like weekend trips to the mountains, I'll redeem points, you know, for, uh, or yeah, redeem points for like cash back. So it's just like a thousand bucks here, a few hundred there to pay for the hotel or usually an Airbnb, something like that. Yep. And just kind of, it makes it kind of a free trip. You just pay for gas to get out to the mountains or something. Right. And, you know, for the, the trip out to New York, I could have used cash, um, but and then I just save those points and we would end up using the points, but it feels a lot better to use points, even though you're, if you're going to take the trip either way, it just feels better to use those points sometimes and not use that cash. Right. Um, even though in the end it's a wash because we're, we're going to take that trip, whether we use uh, for us on that trip, we were going to take it no matter what. Yeah. And all of our travel to Ohio, we're going to go back to see our family twice a year, pretty much no matter what. So. Got it. And yeah, let's, let's start talking about how we actually view points and how we um, accumulate. Actually, let's look at it that way. So talk about your credit cards that you have and then maybe get into some of the accumulation phase of points. Yeah. So I, my daily credit card is Chase Sapphire Preferred. And if people are looking for specific cards, it's, it's just a great one to have. You get decent uh, everyday points, 2x, 3x, depending on what you're spending on. Um, and it's a, it's a nice, the point system, are they're very transferable. Uh, one thing important to me is Southwest. We fly a lot, and um, the Southwest points go a lot farther than any other airline. So, uh, But you could also go to Hyatt, which is a, you can get great redemptions, um, and that's a benefit of it. It's also just a, it's a big national bank. It's an easy card to hold, uh, $90, $100 a year in fees I easily pay for itself. Um, so that's a card I hold. And uh, I have one other, I try to keep one other card on hand. I have a business card um, through Chase as well, but then I keep an Amex on hand because 6% back on certain things in, in categories is really nice to have. But overall, my, my daily normal spending, I don't really focus on trying to accumulate points. I do put everything on a credit card. So I, I certainly accumulate them, but I'm not every day fishing in my wallet for a certain card that I need to use for gas versus groceries versus, you know, going out to eat, um, utilities, things like that. Uh, it's, I, I take the more simplistic approach of I've got two cards and I bounce back and forth between them. Very similar on my side too. So I have, I think we have a chase freedom, which we've, we've had from back in the day and yeah, it, it does fine for us. Like you mentioned, we use it for generally all expenses, anything that we can put on that card, like that's what we'll put it on. And the points redemption with Chase is really uh, flexible. Yeah. And that we, we just want to have options. So we, we actually haven't, well, I don't want to get into the redeeming portion yet. I was about to get ahead of myself, but I also have a business card. I have a Chase Inc. And I think that is about a hundred bucks a year. Yeah. And I recently got a Chase United card because I knew I was going to be flying a little bit more. And I, I literally opened it because I knew I was going to be flying and I knew if I opened a new card, then I could get some additional bonuses for opening a new card. 
now with this particular one, I think it was like the United Business Plus or something like that. And I think it's also a hundred bucks a year. But to get the the uh, baseline reward, I think you had to spend say five thousand in three months or something. Yep. But if you hit twenty thousand, and then you get maybe seventy five thousand points or something. But if you hit twenty thousand in six months, then you get one hundred and seventy five thousand points total. And I was like, oh, I was looking at my run rate, uh, my expenses for and cash flow and all that stuff, and I was like, I can hit twenty k in six months. So I did that and I just got like all those points. So I have like 180,000 nice. points or something like that. Yeah, plus the United. points, you know, you get when you're spending. So you had 20,000 points onto that or whatever the, yeah. Yep. Yep. So it, it turned out great. And yeah. And it, I, um, you know, I'm from Atlanta. So we used to fly Delta cause that was like the big hub out of there. You can get a lot of airlines out of Atlanta, but I know Southwest, uh, like most people that I know are like, I love Southwest, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't even know if I've flown it. Is it a little culty or is it really that great? It's, it's, I wouldn't call it culty, but the, the, those that Sounds are passionate like are culty. Cult. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I, most people that travel on Southwest are frequent travelers. Um, and it's a, it's a comfort thing, but also it's a, it's a point thing. You, you rack up points quicker. You can your points go farther. Um, but also they, they board much differently. So your average person doesn't understand the way they board. They don't assign seats. You have a position that you get on a plane. So 180 people get on a plane and they number you essentially. Um, so that's, that's a little bit different. I've got a coworker who calls it Southwest. He hates it, which is one of the few people, you know, we travel a lot and most people do travel on Southwest that I work with. And he's one that just absolutely hates it. So there there's, there's haters out there, um, but for the most people, for the most part, anyone that flies it, they jump right into the cult. Okay. We're going to digress just a little bit. So I have not flown Southwest, and I have heard about the boarding. So they give you a number, and then everybody just runs on the plane. Like, wh what happens? So you have, it's A, B, and C boarding, and every A, B, C has 1 through 60. So you line up. You actually, they have a nice little, nice little post that line you up very organized. You don't have people crowding into the aisles of the, of the airport, which a lot of airlines end up with just mobs of people. So it is much less chaotic if people know what they're doing during the boarding, which is one reason a lot of people like it. You don't just have a mob of people standing around waiting to get on a plane and call your zone. And then, and then you're fighting when you get on the plane because you've got people that are boarding in the front of the plane and the back of the plane at the same time. And mm -hmm. you've got to fight people trying to put their bags up. It's just, if you recognize it for what it is, it's a much more efficient way of boarding a plane. So you have A, B, and C, and you get a number. So let's say you are A1. You're the first person to get on that plane. Um, and then if you have an A, you get to pick your seat. So you're going to end up with a window seat or aisle seat, whatever you want. B is kind of hit or miss. C, if you're boarding the plane as a C, C stands for center is what they say, because you're going to end up with a center seat. And it's kind of a game where the people are already sitting in a chair they're trying not to make eye contact. They don't want anyone to sit next to them. So they're, they have headphones in, they're looking at their phone. That way you don't tap them on the shoulder and try to sit next to them because it's open seating. They could sit wherever they want. If you're a person that is boarding as a C position, you're looking around to find, you know, Ooh, there's a, you know, he, he looks like he's pretty clean. I want to sit next to, you know, him and, oh, you know, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to deface anyone on, on how we pick no our standards fashion. of who we're going. All yeah. Right. Um, but you, you get to pick who you're going to sit next to if you're not with family. Okay. Got it. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to explore that. Maybe it's, it's unique. It's, you know, those that are, don't, haven't done it before and don't know what they're getting into. It's, it's definitely different. 
it is different. And I, and I would, I would probably be frustrated initially because I'm like, I don't quite understand how this is going to work. But yeah, yeah, the way that other airlines do it is sort of madness and like depending on like the gate and the people there right. and like how much, like all of a sudden everyone's like trying to get in line and then the people that are supposed to, you know, get on in group two, like they can't get to the exactly. To the yep. or whatever. Okay. Thanks for going down that path. Okay. <laughs> Have you, um, how much do you optimize around earning points? So sometimes with, um, various credit cards like groceries or gas or whatever you earn more points if you use the card for a specific purpose. So do you, do you pay attention to that at all? Yeah, that's one I don't, I, it's to some extent, like I said, I have two cards and the one I know I can get 6% on groceries. Um, so I try to use that when I'm grocery shopping, but if I don't have it with me, oh, well, uh, I, and I do have a, I have an Amazon card. So that is what's automatically logged into my Amazon and I got 5% back on any Amazon purchase. So that to me makes sense. I rack up, you know, we spend enough on Amazon. That's it's worth a couple hundred dollars a year easily over the two percent i might get back on my everyday card or even one percent so that's i you know i'll talk about this when we talk about signing up for new cards but i kind of draw that threshold of it needs to be 500 plus dollars in significance to me for me to even care if i'm, I'm not going to open up a card that gives me 10 percent back in gas i buy gas for my vehicle once every two months even 10% back for gas is insignificant. Um, so I don't care about that. But if I were to drive, you, you know, two hours to work every day, I might care about that and it would add up to be a little bit more. So there's very few things out there that are going to give me a $500 plus significance in terms of value. So I, I don't, I don't waste my time optimizing it to that extent. Okay. Yeah. Same here. Um, in fact, we're going to do the shopping that we're going to do. So we just like use the card that we're going to use. Um, and I, Elizabeth may have an Amex too, but I don't think she uses it for anything specific. Like you were talking about groceries or something like that. Is that all Amex or was that the card or? Yeah, it's an Amex card that, yeah, again, I, I opened it for the initial bonus and I realized, oh, you know, I get this benefit on groceries and I do like to have two credit cards in my wallet. Um, and that's, it's more of a, more than anything, it's a differentiator. So it's through two different companies. It's, you know, there's, it's Chase and it's Visa and Amex. So that way there's certainly places Amex is not accepted. So it gives me a little bit of versatility. Also, if I have issues with one card, at least I pull the next one out and I have something on me. It's, it's more of a comfort thing. I don't like walking around with one form of payment. Yep. Same here. Same here. Okay. And I mentioned, I just opened a uh, United card, but typically, you know, before that I had not opened a new credit card in a while. I did see like so many bonuses out there and I'm like, ah, you know what? I haven't opened a new card in like whatever, six years or something. Like it's probably fine. I could deal with the extra admin, like setting up another card, blah, blah, blah. So it was all good. And I, you know, quickly was able to earn the points. So have you opened cards for bonuses and such? Yeah, I've done that um, in the past quite a bit. We, you know, when we first recognized the whole um, credit card hacking game, uh, I started looking into it, learning more about it. I, for years, I was tentative. I heard about it, but I'm like, oh, that's that's going to ruin my credit score, all these things. And you guys can listen to a, a heck of a lot of podcasts and read up on these from the experts, but it doesn't ruin your credit score. It actually helped my wife's credit score. Um, and uh, it, there were a lot of hesitations that people have. I had the same hes hesitations. I overcame that. And in the beginning, we opened up multiple credit cards. And usually once we hit the spend limit, we'd go to the next one. But it, you can knock out the low-hanging fruit qu pretty quickly. And now I, I draw the benchmark of if it's not 
adding $500 bonus at least, uh, at least that value in terms of points or dollars, it's not worth the hassle. Um, so I look for that, that minimum. I also, I don't, even if I, even if there were three cards out there right now that I could do that with, I probably wouldn't go after them. It's more, uh, one thing that I've started to implement is I don't escrow my insurance. Um, for me, that's a lot because I have multiple rental properties. Um, but insurance in general, you can pay with a credit card without any fees. So it's a really good opportunity. If you know your insurance hits every May, I'd be looking a couple months before that to open up a new card. That way, if you open it up two months before, you'll get the card, you'll have it in your hand when that insurance hits. And that's an easy way to hit a minimum spend. So that's what I do every year is I, you know, okay, insurance comes in May, I'm going to open up a new card. What's hot What right now? What's got the biggest sign up bonus? And next year, it may be United. And then that's just an easy thing to do because I can pretty much hit that spend in one fell swoop or even if we don't have that big of an insurance uh, you know payment three months to spend three to five thousand dollars most people can do that pretty easy so the once a year method uh, i think is appropriate it gives you all the points you know a lot of points it helps you keep them rolling in but it's not something you have to manage keep doing it over and over and canceling cards can you pay um, the property taxes with a credit card? You can, but they hit you with a fee. Um, so I know people that have done it. I've done it myself once. And sometimes the fee offsets it. So for example, uh, Southwest Companion Pass uh, is extremely valuable to me and my family because a family of four, we fly back to Ohio twice a year. So if I have buy one, get one free flights, that's huge. And actually last year, our companion pass, uh, I've had it for a couple of years and it lasts for two years. And then Jamie got it for a couple of years and then I got it again, but we were flying in March uh, we had a flight back to Ohio for a wedding. So I had to get companion pass ASAP. So I deemed it worth it to, I opened up two credit cards and I had to hit the minimum spend on two credit cards within a month, essentially month and a half to make sure that it all registered and was in effect by the time we flew. So I actually put my property taxes on the credit card and I, I think it was $76 or something in a fee, but the, I actually ended up having two flights that I was able to benefit from being able to make that spend faster. So I had several hundred dollars of benefits and it cost me 60, 70, $76, I think in that fee, because I had to, I had to bump it up a little bit to, you know, pay those property taxes, um, just to get that benefit. And you mentioned that Jamie, your wife, her credit score went up by opening cards. So I think I know why, but can you explain? Um, so she had a, a poor credit score score through college, like a lot of people do. And then she had a medical bill that lapsed and she didn't even know about it. Um, it went to her parents' house and she never even knew. So yeah, long story short, she had a, not a great credit score, not a terrible, but we spent the first couple years of our marriage, her credit score barely budged. Um, I was paying the bills. The credit card was in my name and she was, uh, you know, just tacked onto that credit card. Mm -hmm. um, so she didn't have one in her own name. The bills were all in my name just because I was the one that set them up. She would even, you know, pay them on her, her card or manage them, but I just happened to be the one that set them up. So the bills are in my name, everything like that. And it took a couple years for us to see her credit score wasn't going up. That's weird. Um, and she opened up, a, we started this credit card thing and she opened up, uh, got a card in her name and it was, you know, between that and she did also start putting some bills in her name when once she recognized it, but the credit card, her limit was low, but instantly you could see that she was paying it off every month that her credit started going up. So actually it was a, a good thing for her to start into this because otherwise she would have never opened up other credit cards that she didn't really need. And that actually built up some repertoire with the, with the credit card companies and her credit score went up. 
Ah, got it. And I was thinking it was uh, potentially the percentage of the credit limit that you're using. So they like to see, I think. Yeah, that, that, that is part of it. So she opened okay. up one, she opened up another. And then so she, she got increased that limit. And, you know, at first she had like a $500 limit or something. And then now if she signs up for a card, she'll get like a $30,000 limit. Right. But to have that open credit that's not being, you're not spending on it is good in yep. their eyes. Yep. Cool. Or you're able to pay it off. Very cool. All right. A- any other ideas or tips or, uh, you know, ideas about your approach to credit card points, travel rewards, stuff like that? No, no. I think that, you know, again, if people want the technical details and there's a, I think what we're here to do is say, there's a range. You don't have to go off the deep end and open up every credit card out there for, you know, 50 bonus points. Um, there, everyone does it a little bit differently, but it's not something to be scared of. It's something that's pretty easy to tow your, get your toes in the water and experiment with. And you could, I've, I've flown back to Ohio twice a year with a family of four for four years and haven't paid a dime. So other than a $10 flight fee. Nice. Yep. And I'm definitely on the more basic side. I think basic side. And I think, you know, you don't do too much, but you do a little bit more than me. Um, we were talking before we started recording, there's a, there's a podcast called all the hacks and it's, it's like optimizing life. But part of it is this guy is kind of, I don't know if obsessed is too big of a word, but he's super interested in optimizing like accumulation of points and redeeming points and, you know, not wasting anything along the way. So he goes really deep. And I mean, the, the extra effort, you know, is paid off. Um, but I, I don't particularly enjoy it and, and he does. So right. yeah, big range of, you know, what you want to do and I will potentially open, you know, maybe a new card every couple years. I don't enjoy like going through the process, even though it's fairly quick, but just having to, um, you know, make sure you transfer all your expenses to a specific card so you can hit yep. the amount. And, and I actually did find myself like, coming up towards the the end of the six month period. And I was like, oh, there were a couple expenses that I thought were gonna hit that didn't yet. So I actually called like a software company where I have an annual plan. And I was like, can you charge me now instead of one month from now? And they were like, sure, we can do that. And they, they did it, it was like yeah. 2000 bucks. Yeah, there, and there's there's a lot of things that you can do. You could go spend $2,000 in gift cards at the grocery store for the grocery store. You know you're gonna spend $2,000 right. in a grocery store over the next couple months maybe. Yeah. So you could do that to hit your limit. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you can do that um, I, I had another example, but I couldn't couldn't can't think of it right now, but yeah. Um, yeah. there are ways. Oh, the other one is, uh, we, we tend to pair our cards. This is just another tidbit that you'll, you can research and find, but, um, I'll open up a card. And then once we hit my spend limit, J- sometimes we'll open up two cards because then Jamie will open up the same card, but I will refer her. So I get an extra 20,000 points, <laughs> refer her, she opens it, she gets the bonus. And you know, the referral back and forth is a game you can play if you and your spouse are, are doing this. Yeah. Hopefully Chase doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> See, that's the thing. They know people do this and they don't even care because so many people sign up for these bonuses and then end up going over. That's the thing. You have to pay your bills uh, or else it washes all this way. But they get so many people to sign up for these cards with these bonuses. They know people like us are out there that take advantage of it, but they don't care because they make so much money on their fees. And then especially someone will rack up $3,000 and they won't pay for a month and boom, that pays for a lot of what their, you know, this marketing cost is essentially what they write it up as. And 
one more thought and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. So one thing that I'm trying to do now is just like use the fucking points because like they're just sitting there and I'm like hoarding it. And it's like, it's money, right? Like it has a cash value that I could redeem back and inflation hits. Like it makes you look at things just a little bit differently. And I'm like in my head thinking I'm going to save these points for a big trip and then redeem them. Or I can get the money now, do whatever I'm going to do and just like move on with my life instead of having like a bank of points, which are largely, you know, it's just a number on a screen at right. this point, right? Yeah. So why why say if you're going to travel, maybe don't travel for the heck of it just to burn up points. But if you're going to travel and you have points or you can use dollars, use the points because then if you get to the point where you don't have the points, you're going to use the dollars anyways. So right. why not use them now instead of later? Don't bank them for this big trip. But some people like to do that. Some people want to the game yeah. do the disney trip all for free and claim they went to disney for free okay that's it, it makes for a goal i guess and good like instagram or a tiktok reel right. you know like that's that's where i see it and i'm like oh, i've actually done like a lot of trips for a quote free but uh yeah i don't do the social yeah. media stuff so much okay cool so jake you're over on twitter you don't check it too often and otherwise you're you're off the radar you, you don't have a website nothing no i don't no no website no anything else twitter five dilettante uh you could reach me on maybe i should start something i've always thought about that i'm just i'm not social i guess no, no. Yeah, you, you don't need to. You're you're living your life. That's totally fine. So if you do want to uh, send Jake a message, you could shoot Carl or I an email, Doug at milehighfi.com or Carl milehighfi.com. Our store is open so you can get t-shirts like the one I'm wearing. There's uh, mugs. There are boxer shorts, other uh, products out there. I think there's a water bottle too. It's milehighfi.com slash store, and that'll send you off to the right spot. So thanks, Jake. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Yeah.